Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host. And today we will be discussing the book of Mark. Good morning, friends and faithful listeners, and happy Tuesday. Thank you so much for tuning into the P40 Ministries podcast this morning with your hosts, Jen. And Jamie. Yes, my sister is back on, and she is joining us uh, today to discuss an episode out of Mark, Mark chapter 12 to be specific. So this is the first time we'll be in Mark chapter 12. But um, James, say hi to everybody. Why don't you? Hello. (laughs) All right. So what's going on with you recently? Um. Not too much. We actually, well, I got to see you recently since the last time I've been on the show uh, in person mm-hmm. and got to see the new place that you're living, which was really cool. Yeah. I really enjoyed that. So that was new for me. And I, I don't know, I guess it's just same, same old right now. Right. <laughs> same here, kind of. All right. So let's go ahead and discuss Mark chapter 12, verses 1 through 12 today. And my sister is going to help me and we're going to discuss this portion of scripture. And actually, Jamie's going to read it this morning because her audio quality is really, really good today. And I think it'll be cool to um, for you guys not to just hear my voice constantly. <laughs> so let's go ahead and read this out of the W.E.B. version of the Bible this morning. All right. And I have to apologize if, you know, my daughter starts running up the stairs. If you hear anything like that, it's just her. So we'll just do the best we can. (laughs) Okay. He began to speak to them in parables. A man planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a pit for the wine press, built a tower, rented it out to a farmer and went into another country. When it was time, He sent a servant to the farmer to get from the farmer his share of the fruit of the vineyard. They took him, beat him, and sent him away empty. Again, he sent another servant to them, and they threw stones at him, wounded him in the head, and sent him away shamefully treated. Again, he sent another, and they killed him, and many others, beating some and killing some. Therefore, still having one, his beloved son, He sent him last to them, saying, They will respect my son. But those farmers said among themselves, This is the heir. Come, let's kill him, and the inheritance will be ours. They took him, killed him, and cast him out of the vineyard. What, therefore, will the Lord of the vineyard do? He will come and destroy the farmers and will give the vineyard to others. Haven't you even read this scripture? The stone which the builders rejected was made the head of the corner. This was from the Lord. It is marvelous in our eyes. They tried to seize him, but they feared the multitude, for they perceived, sorry, they tried to seize, they tried to seize him, but they feared the multitude, for they perceived that he spoke the parable against them. They left him and went away. Awesome. Thanks, Jam. I appreciate you reading that for me. It was kind of nice to just sit back and listen. 
<laughs> instead of reading it this time. But um, so what's going on here? What's, what's happening in this portion of scripture? Well, it's kind of summed up at the end that the, the people perceived that Jesus was speaking a parable against them and he was prophesying of his coming death, uh, really claiming that he is the son. And I mean, we can make assumptions here, like the God's world, um, God is the ruler of it all, the owner of it all. And Jesus is the son. So he's making some claims here and also predicting his own death and what's happening and also talking about them. And I'm sure that made them very furious. Uh, obviously. Mm. Right. I think one thing that stuck out to me was how stupid these farmers are in the parable. <laughs> like, just, yeah. And like, just believing that if they kill the son, they are going to get that inheritance. That's something that kind of stuck out to me as, as being really, really dumb. What person in their right mind would think that like a father of a son that got killed and you killed that son, that father would give you like all the son's stuff. <laughs> I know. I was kind of thinking like it goes talking. It's talking about how hard he worked, like all the things that he did and he's um, preparing all of the stuff and then gives it to tenants. And it reminds me like, you know, when I was renting my apartment, um, I went to the bank that's, and I paid a check to the bank and then my, I don't know how it worked, but my landlord got it from the bank somehow. And, you know, the audacity for me to just be like, well, I'm not going to pay, but not only that, but to like injure or yeah. kill the people who are collecting it. That's it's asinine. It doesn't even make sense. <laughs> yeah. Because it does say that you're right. I didn't even notice that in verse one, it talks about how the uh, man being like um, in the parable that would be representative of God the Father. But this man, he did all the work. It says that a man planted a vineyard, put a hedge around it, dug a pit for the wine press, built a tower, and then rented it out to a farmer. So this original guy, who would be God the Father, he was the one who did all the work to begin with and then loaned it to somebody. Yeah, at that point, they were just supposed to take care of it and then like you know, after the grapes would be like ready for harvest, they were supposed to harvest the grapes. That sounds like it was pretty much the only thing they really had to do. And plus these grapes belong to this guy. It's all this man's property, everything about it. It doesn't make sense. But then I guess the farmer that is renting it, it seems like now that he is doing a little bit of the work, it's almost like he thinks he deserves it. He thinks that he is the one that's doing all of the work and owns it. And I, I think maybe that is kind of human nature as we, we look around, God has given us this, this place to live and we, we work, we play here, we do what we're supposed to do. And a lot of times we look around and we think, look what I have done with my own hands. And I, I to me, it's a good reminder of God planted it. God, you know, what do we have that God didn't, give to us really every ability that we have every thing that we have and that's what Jesus is talking about is that these Pharisees and these um Herodians and and people that he was talking about they were deceived and deceiving themselves into thinking well 
I deserve this. This is mine and I'm going to take yeah. it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And um, it, it, that is how it translates because Jesus was talking about the Pharisees. And I don't believe just the Pharisees. I think he was talking about pretty much the nature of the entire world, not just the Pharisees. Right. Yeah. But of course, the Pharisees knew that they were that this parable was about them specifically at this point. And, um, you know, I, I I think you're right, though, like these farmers in this parable, like just believed that they owned this land in a weird way because they were the ones taking care of it. They thought that they should have it. And it says here that uh, this original man who who built this entire vineyard went to go send all these servants to the farmers so that they could collect on what uh, the farmers owed the original guy, the owner. And these farmers were like beating these people up. And it says that the uh, owner kept sending more and more people. And this just shows like the patience of this owner. And he was like sending different people every single time, expecting that the farmers would eventually be like, oh, you know, (laughs) I should probably pay what I owe this guy. But they never did. Listen and do what they're supposed to do. So this parable, who are the people then that Jesus is talking about that God the Father was sending? I would say the prophets of old, like, uh, you know, Jeremiah and Isaiah and all those prophets. I can't think of all of them. I think Jeremiah is the one when I read this. Jeremiah is the one that I always think of because, you know, he was thrown in a pit and he just has such a story behind it you know it just it the things that the prophets went through i mean they're just messengers of god and yet they were just abused and yeah threatened just like you said i agree with that and like (laughs) as someone who's like reading through the book of jeremiah right now it is very interesting to read jeremiah's stuff and like all the crud that he had to go through with the people in his time period, they just treated him like absolute garbage. They were so mean to him constantly for years. Like, I mean, Jeremiah was written over a course of like, what was it like 40 years or something like that? And it was just like one thing after another with poor Jeremiah. Of course, they didn't end up killing Jeremiah, right? No, they, I don't think they did. But um, no, he had... His share of problems, though. Yes, he definitely did. (laughs) But a lot of the other prophets, the Israelites at that time period did kill. Most of them, I would say, actually. And that's what Jesus goes on to talk about here. Uh, Some of them, the farmers abused some of these people. Some of them, they killed. And the, the father during all this time, or the owner of this vineyard, was being extremely patient through all of this and like giving them chance after chance and forgiving them over and over and over. And so finally he says, they're going to respect my son. They have to because my son is God. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, you know, uh, the father sends his son down and these farmers who were the Pharisees at the time and other people as well did not respect the son either through all this. Exactly. And, you know, that's, you wonder when people heard these parables and they didn't put it together, like, you know, the, even if people who didn't believe 
that Jesus was God or the son of God, or they didn't believe in what he was saying. You know, when all of this happened and they remembered these parables, I just wonder what they thought as he died. And he said basically here that they are going to kill him. And then that did come true. And I wonder if these stories and parables came back to them and, you know, maybe some of them believed because of it. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I can imagine that they probably, well, I I would say some of them probably did not even think about these parables after Jesus died because in the book of Acts, the same Pharisees that crucified Jesus were also in the book of Acts and they were torturing the the disciples at that point. (laughs) True. That's true. So I can imagine they probably never had a change of heart because if Jesus can't sway your heart when he's on earth, I'm pretty sure you are just a lost cause. (laughs) So probably the only people that like remembered this stuff, I would guess is the disciples and the people who wrote these books of the Bible. Like for example, Mark, who we're reading about today. And I mean, he was one of uh, Peter's good friends. And then, you know, Luke was the good doctor who was researching all this stuff. And then John was one of the 12 disciples who wrote about all this. So I don't know. I mean, yeah, it doesn't seem like the people who heard this, you know, we have a really short memory. We forget. Yeah. You know, and the the thing about it in verse 12 was they're so angry. They try to seize him, but they don't because they feared the multitude. Like instead of fearing what God is saying to them, Mm. I, I mean, I would take this as a warning, like, okay, what is he trying to say, but their, their heart, their hearts were so hardened and angry that they just feared the multitude because they, they knew that this was against them, but instead of changing and turning and doing the right thing, um, they still feared the multitude. And that's the only reason that they didn't seize him and probably destroy him or kill him at that moment. Yeah. That's a good point because I mean, if they knew that this was about them, that means they had to have known that they were sinning. You know, they they would have had to know because if you can admit even in your heart that, oh, this is about me. And that was like all the sins, you know, Jesus is talking about how these people were like killing his prophets and, you know, all that stuff. I know it wasn't like they were just like, oh, yeah, they're taught. Uh, I mean, I don't like this guy, but he's talking about so and so over there. Like they knew. Yeah, exactly where he was going with this. Yes. This was not, they understood this parable very well. Yes. (laughs) And they probably knew about all the other prophets in the old days that had gotten killed. Yes. And uh, yes. And you know what's, what else is interesting about that? Um, That at this point, because they knew that Jesus would be the heir or the beloved son in this, in this um, parable, they would have had to have in some way admitted that to themselves that Jesus was the son. I know. Cause he didn't say, and then there was another servant. Mm-hmm. I mean, Jesus didn't say I'm a servant here. I'm, I am a messenger. Like he, he called himself his beloved son. Yes. Yeah. And at other times he does refer to himself as a servant, but not here. Right. Here, he was specifically talking, I believe, to the Pharisees and the people who had hard hearts against him. 
which wouldn't just be Pharisees, by the way. <laughs> exactly. But yeah. yes. But yeah, I mean, that is interesting. You're absolutely right that he doesn't just call himself a servant like the other servants in this parable, but he calls himself the heir, the beloved son, like God, the father's son. So that's a great point as well. But uh, it says here to conclude in verse 12. So after they knew that the parable was about them, they decided to leave him and went away. And I can imagine they went away seething, (laughs) not too happy, and probably still trying to figure out how they're going to kill Jesus. Exactly. I mean, that's just, that is their end goal. And they're trying, I don't think they were going to stop at anything. Um, And they didn't. Yeah. Which is why if Jesus would have become the king of Israel at this time, they would have been even more unable to touch Jesus because multitudes would have constantly been surrounding him, which is why Jesus's death happened the way it happened in the middle of the night on Passover and all sorts of crazy stuff. So yeah, I think that's also one of the reasons why Jesus did not want to become the king of Israel is because it would not have fulfilled his role in dying and he needed to die in order to fulfill what he needed to do, which was to save the entire world from their sins through the sacrifice of himself. Exactly. He wasn't there to um, just make Israel comfortable or to make them politically uh, stable and just happy in that time. This was planned from the foundations of the world. This was a specific purpose and it's, it's an eternal purpose. It wasn't just fix our problems right now because we, we need this. God know, God knew what they needed and a King on this earth at that time wasn't the purpose. Um, One thing I do want to conclude with, it does say in the parable that the person or people who killed the beloved son were going to be punished pretty deeply. So I think one thing that some people kind of fall into, I've even heard this before. I've heard that Judas is actually the start of the Christian religion because he's the one that got Jesus killed. And people almost like, I don't exactly know what the word is, but people almost are like, yeah, you know, the people who the Pharisees or Judas or the people who killed Jesus are actually the start of the Christian religion. And, you know, they they helped do all this. So you shouldn't be hard on them or something. But the thing is, it says here in the Bible that God the Father was going to destroy them for that. And so I think it's important to not get into this like odd mindset that Judas (laughs) Iscariot should be like almost glorified for what he did to Jesus. I do want to point that out because that is something I I have heard with my own two ears and that's not an uncommon belief either. So that is something I believe should be pointed out. Uh, That's a good point, Jen. And you know, it's just like God is so powerful that he can use bad circumstances um, for his own glory because, you know, that's not a surprise to him, but that doesn't mean we glorify the bad circumstance or evil just because God can use it for his glory and use it for good doesn't mean that it is there. And I um I appreciate that because you know I I do think that we have a tendency to like worship man and things that men do but in all honesty it was God using it all for good like Jamie said. 
But friends and faithful listeners, thank you for tuning in this morning. And I hope you guys have a really, really great rest of your Tuesday. And join me tomorrow at 6 a.m. or whenever you wake up for an episode out of Exodus. But friends and faithful listeners, happy Happy listening listening and God God bless. bless.